人。This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now, with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. We are now told by recent studies that the belief system in America and among Americans is diminishing with regard to any concept of trusting God. In fact. According to this recent poll, we have learned that the majority of people, particularly the new generation, basically has no concept of God and are creating a God in their own image. If that be true, what is the hope for a democratic republic? What is the hope for a nation whose motto is "One Nation Under God"? Doesn't sound positive, does it? Today or yesterday, depending on where you are in the world, Benjamin Netanyahu appeared to have become the new prime minister of Israel. Their election occurred yesterday. It was a very divisive election. Twenty political parties were vying for dominion, trying to cobble together some sort of. Leadership, some sort of、uh, ability to govern, to rule Israel for the next however many years, since this was the fifth or sixth election in two years. Excuse me, yeah, in two years. So what we're looking at here is a situation where Benjamin Netanyahu had declared that he was going to preserve and protect the Torah in Israel. In other words, he was going to protect the authority of the Word of God for Israel. The United States has another election. America has another election now coming up one week from now. What will be the determining factor in the mind and heart of Americans? Will it have anything whatsoever to do with God? Will it have anything whatsoever to do with our nation's motto "In God We Trust"? I wonder. But the hinge of history is on these two nations. Two nations, very interesting. Both America and Israel become the ultimate testing ground in this messianic age of the very test that was failed by our forebears back in the Garden of Eden. The words of that eternal test. Hath God said, are now echoing in our hearts and in the minds of these two countries and their citizens. Hath God said? Perhaps the three most important words are three of the most important words in the Bible, and the destiny of humankind is now teetering on the perilous choice of those two nations, where their very existence was established by covenant with the Creator. Whose will and way were deemed as supreme and sovereign over the fickle and wayward wills of mankind. So these two nations, who alone, both Jew and Gentile, have represented to the world that foundation of the divine will for mankind, are now facing the supreme choice 
of either embracing or rejecting that God's sovereign authority, thus, in effect, leading the world, as did Adam and Eve, to elevate human reason over the divine, and thereby elevating the creature to godhood, in very opposition to the creator. So Satan, the cast-out Lucifer, will have seductively and surreptitiously fulfilled his historical to become as the Most High God, ruling and reigning over not only the land, but over the hearts of men, eternally alienating them from the God who would be their father. So, it is appropriate to say that the choice of Messiah becomes the hinge of spiritual history, both for Jew and Gentile. And it's deeply rooted in our two elections. So I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation, as we say, every single day uh, that that, uh, transforms, talk that transforms. And indeed, we're confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. And God's eternal perspective is the only one that really counts, isn't it? I believe it's the only perspective that really counts. And so we're looking at something that is so important, so overwhelmingly and undergirdingly important that there are no other issues really that transcend the matter of will we or will we not preserve and declare God and his word as the ultimate authority for life and practice in the United States of America. You say, well, that's not part of our Constitution. You're right. It isn't part of the Constitution. The Constitution presumed that the people were going to be godly people. Insofar as it possible for people to be godly people. The Constitution presumed that. We know that because of the statements that were made by our founders concerning They're despising democracy. They cringed at the very concept of pure democracy, where man becomes an absolute sovereign, like a virtual god or self-ordained messiah. And what they saw was the historical record of unfettered human passion and the testimony of the Bible, and it convinced America's forebears of the potential dictatorial tyranny of a collective mass of humankind to carry out, without the fear of God, their despotic will, unrestrained and unrestrainable by human government. So, I have repeated here on this program many times that of uh, Robert Winthrop, who served... uh, well, early on in America's his, uh, political history, and uh, Robert Winthrop basically stated that pure democracy was impossible in this country. Why? He said, because we have no government armed with power, capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. We don't. John Adams said, our 
Constitution was made for a moral and religious meaning Christian to the founders people. It's wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And Robert Winthrop said, we will either be governed by a power without or by a power within, either by the Bible or by the bayonet. Have you noticed how increasingly our freedoms are being reduced to tatters as government increasingly presumes to control everything in our lives, including everything we say, everything that we do, the places that we go, wants to control everything and censor our abilities to communicate freely? How has that developed and why? It's developed because... Over time, we have kicked over the traces of truth. And now, we're becoming increasingly unrestrained as a people. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. The power to choose is very important. In fact, the power to choose is at the very root of the concept of democracy. If the people in a country, if a people in a country are God-fearing and have lifted up the Bible, God's word, as the authority for life and practice, then, in general more than in any other situation or place, their cho- uh, choices can be trusted. On the other hand, to the extent that those people lose their willingness to trust and fear God, and they abandoned the authority of God and his word in whole or in part for life and practice, to that extent then their choices become completely undependable, whimsical, based only upon their feelings and the vagary, uh, the, the variations of the, uh, the variations of the vagaries of their own feelings that decide to rule their lives and their decisions at any particular time and place. That leads to chaos, instability, and will demand even more government, the heavy hand of government, to oppress. That is where we are today. We are supposed to be a government of we the people. First three words of the preamble of the United States Constitution, we the people, which means that we the people technically are the government. We the people are the government. But if we do not govern ourselves, we must be governed from the outside. So, as Robert Winthrop said, we will either be governed by a power within or by a power without. Either by the Bible within, our conscience, 
Our fear of the Lord, our attitudes, our actions, our decisions based upon God's authority and will and word in our lives or by the bayonet. In other words, the power of an external government. So we're facing right now, we are at perhaps uh, one of the major, if not ultimate turning points in American history and world history, both for Israel and for America. It has to do with the power to choose. And that becomes a very interesting uh, quagmire of uh, ideas and thoughts and politics in a me, me, me generation. If it's all about me, then it's not about you. If none of it is about you, then it's every man for himself. Are you beginning to get the picture? So that was the condition, by the way, back in ancient Israel under the judges when every man did that which right was right in his own eyes. It ultimately leads to chaos. So what what is democracy anyway? Well, it's a government, an attitude of the heart that gives man supreme power and authority over himself. Now, that that may seem uh, strange that we would have ultimate authority over ourselves, but that's exactly what democracy is. And however absurd it might seem, for instance, if a woman has the right to kill her child for reasons uniquely justified by her, then a man, therefore, might similarly, for reasons uniquely justified by him, claim the right to rape. You see how absurd this is when every man does that which is right in his own eyes. He becomes his own god. And that's the dangerous folly of pure democracy. It was well understood by America's founders. It was rejected as an unavoidable and unsustainable form of government where every person does that which is right in his or her own eyes as a perverse and pernicious expression of liberty. So liberty then becomes license. I'm free to do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, and to whomever I want. That's why America's founders cringed at the concept of pure democracy. We do not have a pure democracy in America, friends. We do not. We have a democratic republic. So after the Constitutional Convention... When Benjamin Franklin and the others were leaving the uh, uh, the hall there in Philadelphia, a woman asked Benjamin Franklin, you've heard this over and over, what kind of government have you given us, sir? And he said, a republic, ma'am, if you can keep it. If you can keep it. So how can we keep the Republic. And is it important? Is it important for Christians? Some might argue, well, aren't we supposed to be seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? We're not supposed to be seeking uh, the kingdom of America. We're not supposed to be seeking uh, some sort of political power in America. We're not supposed to be seeking uh, some sort of a theocracy in America. Well, 
to a certain extent, that is true. On the other hand, we're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God where we are. We're supposed to uh, bloom where we're planted. We're supposed to do what we can, where we can, however we can, with whatever we can that God has given us because we are to be the salt and light of the earth if we're following Jesus Christ. That means we're involved. That means we have to care. And in this particular government, form of government that we have, for a Christian not to vote, and not to vote a conscience that is formed on the authority of God and his word, is an absolute travesty, an act of unmeasurable selfishness. Yes, I put that pretty boldly. Why is that? Because everybody else is affected by your decision not to vote, and your decision not to vote is a decision to vote, because your lack of voting is, in fact, a vote. It's a vote for the other side, whatever that other side is. Your failure to vote is a vote for the other side. Maybe you never thought about it that way. So that brings up the next concern that we have. And that is, well, how do you vote for somebody that doesn't seem to embrace the fullness of the moral and spiritual perspective that, uh, that I have or that's embraced by the Bible? It's a fair question. It's a truly fair question. So how do we do that? Well, it's like everything else in life. We have to choose. How do we choose? We choose on the basis, the number one basis is, does this person, whether or not their life is pure or not pure, whether historically their life is pure or not pure, does this person stand very strongly for that which is most closely resembling the moral and spiritual standards of the Scripture. Well, that's going to bring up issues that are serious in the mind and heart of God. And the most serious issues are those that are related to creation. Because creation is at the very heart of the gospel. Without creation, there is no gospel. And the gospel was made for people who were born or created by God in his image. It's being made in God's image that actually that uh, image of God that actually is what makes humankind different than the animals. Therefore, we are required by God to preserve and protect the image of God in humankind. Not to make mankind God, but to protect the sacredness of life as created by God. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Then, we find that at the end of the creation week, he created humankind. 
He created mankind in his image, in the image of God created he them, and then it says he created them male and female. So we are given right there in Genesis chapter 1 the basic standards for our votes. If a candidate or a law does not conform to God as creator, rather than evolution, God as creator, and humankind is created the image of God and to be treated not as an animal, but uh, as created in the image of God. And third, that God created humankind as male and female. It must be lined up with those things. If it's not lined up with those things, then by definition, we ought not to be able to vote for a particular person, no matter what else they say. Because to fail to embrace those principles, those understandings, is to fail to embrace the mind, heart, and will of God. To fail to embrace those viewpoints is to elevate your own viewpoint as if you are God and you're going to superimpose your will on the will of the Creator. This is how we must look at things, friends. It's not as difficult as we might think. The first things that we should be considering are not inflation. The first things that we should be considering in politics and in votes are not uh, many of the things that, uh, for instance, when Bill Clinton said it's the economy stupid. Well, the reason it's the economy stupid is because humankind are not God-fearing. They're selfish, and it's about them. It's about my pocketbook. It's not about the more, more principled things that will cause everything else to line up if we will just agree with God's viewpoint. If we would agree with God's viewpoint, that every human being is made in the image of God, that would get rid of the racial problem. So those who drive the racial problem are those who have a reason to drive the racial problem, not sincerely, but trying to use it for political or selfish advantage for a particular party or for a particular uh, people group. That's not godly. God did not create all these races that way. He created the human race, right? Right? He created the human race. And right there in Genesis chapter 1, we find God defining in simple terms the most elementary foundational principles for our choices at the time of an election. Does the candidate or do the laws, do the propositions or whatever, line up fundamentally with God as a creator, and secondly, that he made humankind in his image, and thirdly, that he made male, made humankind male and female. 
takes away all the other choices uh, concerning transgenderism, homosexuality, and so on. Those issues become non-issues for a true follower of Jesus Christ. Politically, that is. Now, if you want to talk about our attitudes, our fundamental attitudes toward people, and how we treat people, that is a different story. That's not political. So, if a person claims to be a practicing homosexual, our vote can be against their practice or anyone who affirms it. But our attitude toward that person still must respect them as made in the image of God. Not made as a homosexual as if that were God's image because he made them male and female. You see, we've confused ourselves. Satan has completely co-opted the simplicity of our understanding and we think we're so smart knowing good and evil. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. I want to make a statement that may seem on its face to be rather strange. But here it is. Listen carefully and try to process it thoughtfully in your heart. When you are voting for an individual, in one sense, you are actually choosing who your Messiah will be. No, it's not the the Messiah that you're choosing is not the person you're voting for. It's the one who declared the truth about who you should vote for. So when you vote contrary to the word, will, and ways of God, first of all, as expressed simplistically and fundamentally in Genesis chapter 1, you are making your choice either to agree with God's viewpoint, the Creator, or with his arch enemy's viewpoint, Satan. And this is how uh, Satan, Lucifer, there in the garden, was able to co-opt Adam and Eve to choose. He asked the simple question of Eve, Hath God said... Now, there was nothing wrong with the question in and of itself. The problem was with his motivation in asking the question. Because he wasn't interested in what God said. If Satan had been interested in what God said, he wouldn't be cast out of heaven. He was in rebellion. 
And he wanted Adam and Eve to be in rebellion with him. And he wants you to be in rebellion with him in the way that you vote. The way that you vote will determine whether or not you're in rebellion against your creator or not. And you have to choose. If we do not choose according to the authority of the word, will, and ways of God, starting in Genesis chapter 1, we have deceived ourselves, and the truth is not in us. It's not as difficult as we might think. It's really quite simple. At least initially quite simple. So, we want to make sure that when we vote, we're not voting just our pocketbook, or we're not voting to line up with a particular people group. We're not voting to line up with uh, some popularity, popular viewpoint. No. We're voting to line up with God's viewpoint. And God's viewpoint is not about racism. God's viewpoint is not fundamentally about the economy. It's about how we treat people made in the image of God. And if we don't believe people are made in the image of God, that they just evolved, then no matter what you vote, you already have fundamentally missed the mark because you don't believe that God is the creator. Therefore, he doesn't have the authority to speak into your life. Therefore, whatever else he says in his word, you can't take it in your mouth because you have already denied the most fundamental element, and that is, in the beginning, God created. Are you beginning to see how this works? So, our votes, in one respect, a significant respect, reflect our choice of a Messiah even as we vote. To vote contrary to the word, will, and ways of God, beginning with the authority of God and his word as reflected in Genesis chapter 1, we're voting for a contrary Messiah. This is what Satan got Adam and Eve to do in the garden. He asked the question, hath God said? And Eve responded, well, yes, he he said we should not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day you eat of it, you should surely die. Satan says, yes, but. Now, this is our problem. You see, we act just like Satan and like Eve. Satan said, yes, but. Yes, but what? God knows that in the day you eat of the tree, you're not going to surely die, but you're going to be like him, knowing good and evil. That's our problem. We have convinced ourselves that we are to be like God in that sense, that we are to determine what's good and evil, not God. God never intended for you and I to determine what was evil in that sense. He just told us very simply what was right. And just don't do this one thing. God wanted us to live in freedom. Freedom because we did his will and we wouldn't have to worry about anything else. God will provide all of our needs. But now 
because we think we're so smart. Knowing good and evil, we think we can replace God's viewpoint concerning what is good and evil. And that confuses our elections, our votes, the candidates that we elect, the propositions and laws that we vote for. It affects everything. And look what happened in the garden. It all fell apart. The perfection that God had created fell apart because people made in God's image chose not to agree with God. So, question. Do you agree with God? Let's not start way back in the New Testament uh, with a bunch of things that Jesus said. Let's start at the very beginning with what he said. Remember, Jesus said, if you've met, seen me, you've seen the Father, because I and the Father are one. I'm the first and the last, he said, the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus was the creator of all things, the Scripture says. So, when it says, in the beginning, God created, Jesus was speaking. He created. So, who are you and me to reconsider what God did and to reevaluate it according to our own whim, our own thinking, our own wills, our own emotions, our own whatever it is, predilections? That's where we get in trouble. Now, when I wrote the book Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, what I discovered is that this theme, not about electioneering, but the theme of choosing and the kind of choices that we make and how we make them are so that thread is so predominant throughout the world in all the religions of the world in all the various isms of the world and in every single instance they result in you and I becoming the Messiah now do you really believe that? do you really believe that you and I will be the Messiah? The deception is so great, friends. The ability to rationalize these things is so great that Jesus himself said to his disciples, look, I I have to tell you guys that the deception of the last days is going to be so awful, so unbelievable, that if it were possible, even the very small remnant elect would be deceived. That's how great the deception is. And we see it played out so simply. It's not that difficult to figure out. Get a copy of the book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. It'll open your eyes as to the nature of who the Messiah really is and why people are willing to basically create their own messiahs. The world of science is creating its own messiah. It's true. Wait till you read the chapter. Let me just run through a few of these chapters here. 
the age of Aquarius, the new age mystical Messiah, salvation by syncretism, sincere seduction, the mystery of moral messianism, the cafeteria Christ, the United Nations Savior, the scientific salvation, the goddess revival, the environmental deification, the evolutionary Christ, the Marxist Messiah, the Masonic Messiah, Noahide laws in Olam Haba. And that's just the beginning. The entire last segment, six chapters, are helping us all to embrace the true Messiah, who he is, how we understand, and wait till you get the chapter called The Third Day. $22 will put the book in your hands, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. It's on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, I want to move forward even a little further now. We have, we've been talking about our voting as Christians in a country it was established on the foundation of the authority of Scripture. Now, I'm not talking about the corporate existence of the United States of America. I'm talking about where the country was founded. The country was not founded then. The country was founded in 1607, 1620, and 1630. That's when the country was founded. That's when the people came over from not-so-jolly-old England. That's when they established the foundational principles of the country that ultimately were embraced understandingly in America's documents. We have to do that. We have to go back there. Now, how would it affect decisions with regard to, say, Genesis chapter 2? you think Genesis chapter 2 might affect our politics? We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. When a Christian votes, he or she is not voting against people. 
he or she is actually voting in favor of God's viewpoint, God's standard, God's will, God's word, God's ways, beginning with creation, beginning with the creation ordinances, Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. If we get those things right, we have the foundation fixed to help define the rest of our vote. If we miss those items and we start rationalizing and pretending that somehow, uh, well, to vote this way or that way is mean-spirited and it's, you know, well, I, want to, I don't want to be antagonistic and I want to be non-judgmental and so on. No, it's not about being judgmental. It's about agreeing with God. That's who we're called to be. If we're, if we're created in the image of God and you're born again as a, a follower of Jesus Christ, then you, by definition of your own claim, you must choose and will choose that which is pleasing to God, beginning with Genesis 1 and 2, because that's the foundation. If you miss the foundation, you've missed it all. Now you're left, you're untethered, your, your boat is out there floating around, and you're going to have to try to find place, some place to uh, uh, get the boat anchored in somewhere, and you'll choose something that's a compromise or ungodly. You will. That's how it works. Because you'll let your feelings drive your faith, and your faith will no longer be anchored to truth. So let's take a look at Genesis chapter 2. We looked at Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. That rules out evolution immediately. Because evolution basically says it's called natural selection. And you were not created. You actually evolved just like animals. You're just a higher form of animal. Okay, so your viewpoint is skewed immediately. Secondly, you're made in the image of God. Thirdly, you and I are made male and female. God wasn't confused, and he didn't intend to confuse you. He made us male and female. To the extent you might feel otherwise, that's your problem. That's not God's problem. Many people feel many things. Some people feel angry all the time. Does that mean that we should uh, give sway to their anger at all times because they feel angry? No. We're very confused in how we're dealing with things. But in Genesis chapter 2, we find that God saw that it was not good for Adam, mankind, man to be alone. And so he created Eve, a woman, from Adam. Notice, he created the woman from the man. And then when the woman gives birth, she gives, the woman gives birth to the man. So there is the element of balance from God's viewpoint. But he made 
man the head of the home. Because woman came from man. That's the next principle. So all of the arguments against patriarchy and the anger and vitriol of the feminist movement and so on are ungodly. They're completely contrary to God's creation order. Next, Genesis chapter 2 again. When God created Adam, Eve out of Adam and presented her to Adam, they became married from God's viewpoint. And God said, what I have joined together, man cannot put asunder. In other words, man cannot divorce. Because I'm God, and I have ultimate authority, and therefore, humankind does not have the authority to do what I, as God, have done with purpose, with intent, to put these two together. Are you beginning to see now how this affects our thinking and our voting and the people that we vote for? If people are in favor of divorce and remarriage, and that is a strong component of their belief system, automatically there should be all kinds of uh, red and yellow flashing lights that go off in your heart, in your mind. I can't vote for this person. Now, you say, well, in this day and age, 50% of the people seem to be divorced. Yes, that's the problem. Ronald Reagan was our first divorce president. I do not honor him for that. I honor him for other things, but I do not honor him for that. Did I vote for Ronald Reagan? Yes. But I did not vote for Ronald Reagan because he was divorced and remarried. I voted for Ronald Reagan because he represented better than any other person at that time that was available to vote for principles that were consistent with the word, will, and ways of God, including his attitude. Are you beginning to get the point? It is not that difficult to figure some of these things out. Now, when it comes to things like the economy, spending money that you do not have, causing the government to print more money because Congress votes more money, how should you and I as Christians deal with that? Think about it. Would any of the things that we discussed in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 have anything to do with the government printing more money and thereby creating inflation 
and creating a situation increasingly of a national debt that our children, grandchildren, and way beyond that would never be able to pay for. Yes, indeed, Genesis chapter 1 speaks to that. What does Genesis chapter 1 say? That humankind, mankind, was created in the image of God. Therefore, by implication, we are treat to treat other people as made in the image of God. Therefore, any reasonable person that isn't taken over by the idea that you vote largesse from the government to line your pocket or supposedly to be a do-gooder when you yourself are not willing to use your own money to do good, you basically, when you have voted for that kind of person or that kind of measure that would print more money, what you're actually doing is voting against the image of God in humankind. You're not treating other people the way you would want to be treated. You're actually using other people's money to do what you yourself should be doing, helping the poor, the needy, or whatever. You have tried to delegate the responsibility to somebody else because you don't want to do it. Are you beginning to get the point? Now, you may not like this, but this is the way it really is. It's not the government, per se, that is supposed to be the one to provide for the needy. It's you and me. And when we consider that we're going to delegate that responsibility to others, what we actually are doing is creating a socialistic system. And one of the great problems and deceptions of socialism is that we are shifting the responsibility that God gives to each of us as individuals onto others, and we become irresponsible. We are kicking away our own responsibility to do the will of God and to be blessed accordingly and kicking it over to somebody else to to collectively do it for us. That's not God's will. God's will is for you and I to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now, we can't talk about every single issue here today that we might be confronted with. You say, well, did you vote for Donald Trump? Well, let me answer that question. During the primary, when there were, what, 17 different candidates On the Republican side that were voting, there were none on the Democrat side that would even come close to matching Genesis chapter 1. Every one of them was outrageously for abortion, thereby not creating humankind as made in God's image. To rule them all out. So what was left was 17 candidates on the Republican side You see, this was not about political party. This was about biblical standards. Now, during that primary, 
I came out on this program strongly criticizing Donald Trump. I was looking for candidates, ultimately, that better displayed the character of God as recorded in the scripture and the attitudes and so on. They did not prevail. The one who prevailed out of the 17 was Donald Trump. The one who prevailed out of the Democrat Party was Hillary Rodham Clinton. So how did I choose? I chose Donald Trump. Why? Because Hillary Rodham Clinton outrageously claimed authority over God in every single place that Genesis chapter 1 and 2 speak. And mocked God's standards with regard to life. Mocked it openly. Therefore, she was mocking God. That's from God's viewpoint. She was mocking God. Donald Trump did not do that. In fact, he did just the opposite. It was surprising to many evangelicals that Donald Trump did just the opposite. He apparently had convictions that people did not realize, even though he had been a philanderer, a very ungodly person, throughout much of his life. So I made a choice, not based upon the perfect man, but based upon a man whose convictions at that time, whose standards, as expressed, most closely aligned with Genesis 1 and 2, and thereby with so many others of God's standards. And because of that, friends, he was able to right very quickly many wrongs in America in just four years. That's why. Because the foundation was right, even though he was not a perfect man. And neither are you. Thanks for joining us. Get a copy of the book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. It would be so helpful and eye-opening to you. $22 on our website, saveus.org. Hopefully this conversation has been helpful. We'll be back together tomorrow. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.